Good morning. This is April 11th, 2020, the day before Easter. This is a northerner in the south, and I am Ruth Wittstein, your host. Oh, Easter is tomorrow, and Passover has been. Good Friday has been. Um, happy Seder. Happy Passover to all my Jewish friends. All my Jewish listeners. Um, this is Corona Ramblings, also. The first season, installment seven. There's a lot going on in our lives right now. And Buddy's going to talk about it. I just woke up. <clears throat> Had some fitful sleep. Been having fitful sleep. Buddy! Buddy! Sorry, he's just voicing his irritability as we speak. Well, it's been an interesting week, to say the least. I didn't really want to discuss the interesting developments, but I guess I will to a certain extent. Um, Remember I told you how we were wanting to be very careful with our money and keep a hold on it and not go crazy spendy our little nest egg because we never knew what the future would hold. And um, we are in the midst of a pandemic and my partner, husband, just got laid off or suspended for two weeks. It's a little fuzzy as on how that happened, but... Um, it's safe to say that, thank heavens, we have our little nest egg and all the food we need, and our animals have food, and we're set for a bit. <clears throat> um, I woke up yesterday to find him home again. He was supposed to be at work, and suddenly he's home. And uh, apparently there was a bit of a disagreement at his job about how he handled something or whatever and he was sent home um, for two weeks yeah a slap on the hand but here's the deal he's been working 14 days in a row no breaks 12 hour shifts that actually was thir yesterday was day 13 in a row no breaks, and in truth, having this break is probably the best thing for him, you know, um, to get, to get, you know, he's not fired, he's just, go home and think about what you did, well, apparently what he did, and I know this place, it was basically like he, um, his, Superior pulled a Trumpian. Yeah. My partner didn't agree with something he did. Or didn't agree with the way something had been handled. And since, and he offered to help or whatever. I'm not sure exactly how this happened. But anyway, from what it sounds like, my husband did the right thing. Pointed things out that needed to be addressed. And his friend didn't like it, 
I'm saying friend, his boss, his acquaintance, whatever the fuck you want to call it, didn't like it. Called him into the office and told him to go home for two weeks. Sound familiar? A naval ship captain getting axed for telling the truth. Yeah. Trump totally agreeing with it, saying, oh yes, we can't have that. Trump firing everybody around him. Apparently this person emulates Trump big time, loves Trump, the one that sent my husband home. So we've got that going on. See, and in the workplace, and you cannot tell me that this isn't happening to other people who hold views that are, you know, not, um, well, what, is, what does Donald Trump call them? Never Trumpers, revere never Trumper. You're a never-Trumper, and he doesn't like you, he'll fire you. Well, how can a person be for a man that is corrupt? How can people be for somebody who's corrupt and who is botching things right and left? So, my husband doesn't want to talk about it. It's sore spot here, so... Uh, safe to say, though, you know, thank heavens for the business, thank heavens for the Social Security, thank heavens for our nest egg. Thank heavens for us not going crazy and breaking ground on that house, you know, because we were going to break ground on the house this summer. Or it was actually going to happen this spring and get busy into building. But it's a good thing we didn't do that because we don't really know how this is going to play out when he goes back. And this person that sent him home isn't really even his boss. It's just a co-worker that happened to be over a project that, that um, and of course, for whatever reason, they allowed him to make that decision to send my my husband home. So it's kind of shady. The actual boss himself, I don't think he even knows my husband sitting here right now. He's supposed to be at work today. But I'm thinking that the big boss doesn't know that my husband's here. Home. Been sent home. This particular individual has a history of telling lies, fabricating information, and um, the person that sent my husband home. Should be interesting. Should be interesting on, on, you know, when he gets to go back. If he goes back. Because, you know, like he said, it's giving him time to think. And given his particular skill set, he is someone who could get another job, I'm sure. Um, and even if not, our business, you know, there are things that we can do to help the world and and I can do, and we can do together, and it, it, we're going to be okay. We're frugal people, and um, we've had everything all organized quite well to prepare for nightmares like this. So I think we're going to be okay. And this might be some really good time. And plus, another thing that was definite, we all know this, if you're watching the news, you know that this weekend is the pandemic spike. Is what they said. The worst. It's supposed to be Easter Day right over this time. Yes, buddy, we know. Right over Easter is supposed to be the worst spike in deaths and cases of the corona pandemic, coronavirus pandemic. So there is that. You know, my husband's 62 years old and he's being protected from something that could really harm him. So I'm, it's weird, you know. You would have thought I would have been extremely stressed out and scared and worried and upset. That's my usual nature. For some reason, I'm not. For some reason, I, you know, said some prayers and feel confident that the universe has my husband's back. 
that something here good is going to come of the negative. It just maybe that negative really wasn't a negative after all, him having to come home. Maybe it's meant to be. Because he works solely around people who are, well, I shouldn't say solely. He's got a few out in his place where he works that are not pro-Trumpians. But for the most part, that place is just filled and riddled with Trump supporters. And working around that environment, I can't imagine, is, is comfortable when you know that what, what our president is doing is so toxic to this, that country. It's dangerous, you know. He's put us in this mess. We're fighting for our lives, and it's his fault. I mean... All you have to do is watch the news to see how much damage he's done by his fiddling around, as Nancy Pelosi put it, fiddling around. Um, he's going to wind up. More Americans are going to die. I mean, he went and purchased 100,000 body bags. Yeah, he got the body bags before he got the supplies out to people. Isn't that interesting? Why is that? What's that about? <clears throat> I just don't trust this president. And neither does my dog. You don't trust him either. You're crying about it. It's upsetting, isn't it? Yes, it is. We're all upset about the president here. And we're like the only ones because a um, lot of folks really back him. We're just confused. I guess it's because we watch the facts and they watch Fox News. They watch the news channel that is so propaganda-driven, misinformation-driven, and they all watch that, and they think that's the truth. It's just unbelievable how anyone can watch the truth, watch that and think it's the truth. Even when they show the president speaking, they, they stand there and they try to explain away his crazy comments, give the most off-the-wall excuses as to why he's saying what he's saying. You know, you there's, at some point, you just can't justify those lies anymore. And that's really what's been going on, is this lie justification repeatedly. You know, um, that it's you know, it's because of this, and that's why, and that's why. I mean, this whole business of slamming Obama, I watched his pandemic speech in 2014, found it, shared it with everybody I could share it with, for anyone to think that our previous President Obama was not prepared for a pandemic coming, they're incorrect. He, he, he was ready. H1N1 was really not as bad. It was bad, but it wasn't as bad. And he didn't downplay it. He played it up. Meaning the importance of taking care and, and doing what the experts say so that we could all come out of this alive. He took care, and we did come out in a better situation than we are now. Now this is just pure mayhem on our country, and it's because of the current president throwing away all the playbooks of how to deal with this pandemic. He just isn't going to listen to the previous administration. We, we It was very well outlined how to handle this, and he didn't want to have any part of that. It's pretty sad. So, you know, this is the kind of thing. And 
people that tend to idolize Donald Trump tend to behave like them in their real lives, too. And that's what my poor husband experienced. You do the right thing um, to get the situation remedied that needs to be remedied. And he ends up getting himself in, in a world of hurt because he stepped on someone's toes to do the right thing. And that person didn't like it. And that person happened to be in a higher position than him, unfortunately. And then, and then he just took out his, you know, I don't like the way you looked at me. Go home. <laughs> and I told my husband, I said, you're not alone in this. Because I, back when I was a nurse, mm-hmm. He didn't think I didn't experience those kinds of things I did. Nurses today are experiencing them. You tell the truth in a corporate environment if the truth means that the boss is the one you're you're squealing on because they're being bad or you know there's somebody there that might be in a higher position than you and you know they're up to no good and you see it and you point it out I guarantee you you're going to get slayed for it and I've been slayed so many times for pointing out the truth it's you know I didn't get suspended um I got put on probation many times and what that did was they had to change my, my um, I would get put on probation for two weeks at a time when I would do something like that, blow the whistle, basically, on unnatural practices. And I've seen them, okay, in the medical world, I've seen them, um, especially in your, in your um, research hospitals. And if they're corporate research hospitals, holy shit, folks. So... Yeah, and I worked with babies, and I just feel like babies have no body to stand there for them, and neither do the parents when they don't understand what's going on around them. And if you don't understand, you see the writing on the wall, and I'm not going to go into it because it's a sore spot, but and you point out the unsavory actions of certain individuals that things are going down for profit that shouldn't, you know, lives are being messed with. Um, I blew the whistle on those types of situations numerous times and caught myself stuck on day shift on probation being watched by the yeah, you know boss and you know nights you get paid considerable amount more money so I got a pay cut for two weeks and then there was a time that I did get sent home without pay for a week and a half so you know I told him that I said because I've never had this happen I said well it's, it's hard to be on the side of the truth at all costs. So when you're on the side of the truth, it is true when um, you find out who is, who is really going to have your back or not. It was interesting to note that there were more people that I thought would have my back didn't. He discovered that too. It's, it's painful. But I've always said this, honesty is the best policy, you know, um, Lying isn't going to get you anywhere. It's going to—you have to cover that up and continue to support lies. And those are things that it just takes too much energy. And not to mention it's wrong. And if there's a way to, to fix things, you know, all—all all that needed to happen here in my husband's situation was this person take take the truth and and go, okay, well, we'll we'll do this. Thank you for sharing this, and it's going to go better now. Now. Uh, now you hurt my feelings because I'm the one who told you to do this wrong thing <laughs> you know 
and I'm going to punish you now for telling the truth, and uh, you know, and that's kind of what I've been through. I told him it's rough, but hang in there, because I do believe my husband will be rewarded in the end. And however that happens, whether it's he doesn't have to go back there, and for whatever reason, the government decides to give my husband a better um, social security check, or he ends up hitting it big with this business big enough for us to t be just comfortable and he's no longer stressed and he can get, you know, my husband's a whiz in so many things. He's good at fixing things and that might be something he needs to get into. Fixing computers and fixing things and helping people. He, he just might be able to help people and not have to worry that with the social security not have to worry. And me, you know, getting busy with the writing and the art and the this and that really now taking my stuff and selling it instead of letting it stock up, pile up in the corner. You know, I mean, it may require us to change and shift gears in how we live, but, oh my gosh, people shift gears all the time. You know, and I am not beyond now, um, since we only school two to three days a week, getting a part-time job somewhere. It might be kind of fun to leave the, leave the nest once this pandemic business gets over. Right now I can't. But um, once this threat of imminent illness and death and what have you subsides, maybe there's something I can do out there. Either way, it's going to be okay. We can't sit here and go, oh my gosh, you know, we just have to move on. And tomorrow is an important day for my little baby girl. It's Easter. The Festival of Astara. Actually, we, we kind of had a little festival-y kind of thing over the 22nd and 23rd of, 21st to 23rd of um, March, because that's the true festival of Ostara, which is the real Easter. It's the, it's the um, spring equinox. And uh, so we did that, and, and that's the, there's the thing too, I, I'm not going to step on toes of people, but people think that, you know, Easter is all about Jesus, and the funny, interesting thing is, is that Jesus' story, of course, interesting one, I don't know if I entirely believe it, but the original festival was for the goddess of star, the goddess of fertility, that her symbols are the bunnies and eggs, and she's the bringer of new life, because it's springtime, right, and, you know, it's just kind of a tradition in our family, even as I was growing up, um, we have some northern roots in us that, that this is a big deal for them. And so my, um, but you know, the, the, if you look at history, that whole idea of Easter, even Christmas, a lot of that stuff, it was taken from the, from the pagans because the Christians took it from the pagans. They wanted to get more converts, so they literally hijacked all these holidays, made them their own, redefined their history so that they could get this to where people would be converts. And of course, they used the hellfire brimstone business to make you bow down and, and do it. And I'm not against the Christians because, you know, I, I do believe, I do believe in Jesus. I believe in him. I just believe in him a little differently. I believe in him more historically and archaeologically, more more scientifically. I also believe he was supernatural. 
Meaning, I believe he had an evolutionary thread in him that was far beyond most humans. I think he was capable. That dog will not quit chewing. Sorry if you're hearing that over there. That is my dog body chewing the heck out of his tail. It's a goofus. Um, so I believe in that. I believe he was a supernatural being. Could he walk on water? Possibly so. I mean, they've shown the Buddhist monks. He, he's, they showed things that Buddhist monks can do that emulate a lot of the things that Jesus did. What's interesting is there is record of Jesus there with Buddhist monks. Okay. Working and studying and, and being with him. So it, there's a lot of, lot of mystery around that wonderful Jesus, the Christ. Not Jesus Christ. Excuse me, hold on. I apologize, I have a dog with a skin issue. We put ointments on his hiney. He just won't quit chewing it. <laughs> he has special creams and stuff, and it just, he doesn't. And I have to be careful because he tries to eat that. But don't chew that. Don't. Hold on. I had to distract him and remove him from the situation so he would quit. It's habitual, too. You know, he was a rescue, and he, we believe, we got him. He had been tied up wherever he was at for a long time and because um, he had a mark what looked like a collar around his neck it was very deep and but the collar was gone I, we don't really understand the whole story a, a police officer brought him to my husband at his other job and said I heard about you guys taking animals and my husband was like whoa ah and but then he took one look at Buddy and he couldn't say no and so he brought him home and I fell, I fell in love with him the minute I met him but we noticed his chewing and it's <clears throat> the vet thinks it could be a nervous thing, and you just have to stop him. You have to stop him. I'm not going to have him walk around with a cone of shame on his shame on his head all the time because, I mean, after all, he's really old, and I, I just so we just have to like disrupt the moment if it means, you know, removing him from the situation, making him go walk or whatever. I just can't let him eat the the stuff that's supposed to help keep it from getting worse. I think he's created a situation. That's There's a thing called contact dermatitis. People can have it too. And it can happen from just repeated scratching, repeated whatever, where you literally break it. And it could be a nervous thing. So he's on all, he's on some medications to help him with his, his little nervous, twitchy thing he has going on. I mean, it could be all related. Bless his heart. Anyways, he's going to go out there into the yard, maybe roll around the grass. It might make him feel better. He just has to get, we have to just disrupt the moment because it just becomes a habitual thing and you just have to stop him. Anyways, what was I saying? I was talking about Easter and how we look at Easter differently in our house. We do. We don't look at it in the Christian term because I don't, in my belief, just from reading the archaeological evidence and everything, he didn't, I don't think, that's, this is my thing, and it's, you know, a lot of Christians are so sure I'm going to hell for thinking this way, but we just don't really believe in the whole, Jesus was a willing sacrifice and he rose again. I don't think he was willing. I think he was betrayed from what we could read, and he was put there, and, but, given the time factors and everything and even after watching a lot of the 
documentaries and reading a lot of books on it, it looks to me like he just, I don't think he truly died. I think he still, he lived and he lived a, a long life and there's people who swear that there's descendants of Christ out there and I believe that. There's more to the story. I'm very fascinated by that Da Vinci Code. Very fascinated. If you ever get a chance to see the movie Da Vinci Code with um, Tom Hanks or read the book, absolutely. Just can't put it down. It's a good book. Um, but yeah, he... Uh, so that's my personal view. Um, but we get kind of picked on here for thinking those things. Um, I just, I have, I'm a firm believer in reincarnation too. I did tell you guys the story about my daughter, my eldest one, talking about her past life. And I've had deja vu moments of things that there's no way I would have, when I was younger, that there's no way I would have been in those situations. And, and my, hold on. No, you can't come up here if you're going to do that. I'm sorry, bud, bud. Go find something else to do. You're not going to come here and, and start chewing yourself. Not going to happen. You're going to need to, there you go, drink some water. You need to break the cycle. You need to break the cycle. Um, <clears throat> my youngest here told me about her life on Mars. Mm. She described Mars as if she were the rover. Now, mind you, she's a smart kid. But this was when she was young, before we were really doing any schooling or anything like that. And she described things back then that match. Okay, we're going to be back up here, but we're not going to chew, are we, buddy? Match the pictures and the, the things that they could see from far away. And the stuff that they're finding that, you know, there was water there. and this, that. She described the landscape of Mars as really almost disturbing. Um, was she alive so long ago when there was life there? She swore up and down there was. There was communities and everything and a bad thing happened, is what she said. And that she was suddenly not. And she was out into the, the cosmos, as it were, hanging with the stars, she said, until it came time for her to come forth again. And she was like four years old when she talked about that. I didn't tell you guys that one. But that was interesting, you know. I mean, children tell funny stories. You're going to find this out if you have kids. You're going to hear some of these funny things come out of their mouths, and you're going to say, well, is that even, what a cool imagination. But if you go fact check some of the things they're talking about, and you discover that there were some ancient or old facts in it, old proofs, mm-hmm, that might be cause for, oh, holy hell, <laughs> like it was for us. Oh, my goodness, you know. Um, there is lots of um, proof, in my opinion, I call it proof, but stories of children that talk about past lives and they match up. They've actually found their previous life, especially if it wasn't that far back. The, the Hindus are very big into this, which is one of the reasons why I kind of find myself attracted to Hinduism. One thing I think is interesting is Hindu cosmology. You know, the Hindus 
that is a very old, old religion, much older than Christianity. And they already had science explanations that we are kind of just now discovering. You should check it out. Um, won't get off into the deepest of that, but I mean, they, you know, they already knew about the earth revol revolving around the sun before we, <laughs> before our um, people, however you want to say, discovered that, you know, we were the first one that discovered that. I'm a little not awake right now, folks, but I'm just saying they had already done that. They'd already discussed it, already had models made and their books are extensive and they're ancient in history medicine all of this you know so lots and lots and lots to think about when it comes to what is real what is not what is true what is not and they even talk about Christ they talk about Jesus a friend of mine is a Hindu Mm. She, bless her sweetheart, she is the, um, she was raised as a child, this is interesting, she's Hindu, she's from India, I lived in India, raised in India, but she was raised in a Christian convent, isn't that interesting, as a Hindu, her family had to put her there because of some financial problems they were having and they didn't have any other place to have her. So she needed to go there. So she went there and she learned she learned the Christian religion. She had to do the catechism and everything and she said it was interesting. Very interesting. She says their denial though of reincarnation is just vehement. It's almost to the point of if you believe that you're going to burn in hell. And she said but you know it's just far too much there's too much supporting reincarnation to think that it doesn't happen and she said you know it's very scientific energy can neither be created or destroyed it just changed form that is a scientific principle that we all operate on and so therefore you know we are energy right it's just as we are pure energy so we go on and what do we go on we go from one she said one one vessel to another and um it is evident when you have memories of your previous incarnation. I believe that as well. So for us, you know, we just look at things more openly, globally. We tend to, you know, there's some festivals. Like I said, I, I because of my childhood traditions and, and you know, the growing up in Minnesota, very Scandinavian up there, um, I have many backgrounds in my life, okay? <clears throat> my father was a German Jew. My mother was a Scandinavian, was a, was a Swede, um, a Swedish Jew. <laughs> she called herself a Viking Jew. They're very interesting people. Um, and so we had uh, an interesting upbringing. My dad was actually raised Lutheran because of the time period that he was in around World War II, see. So you understand there's a lot of fear of the Holocaust and what have you, and there's a lot of shame, not shame, but just they want to hide back in those days. And so names changed and everything. 
I don't even know what my real maiden name is because it was changed for us. And as to this day, I tend to, I mean, right now I use pen names when I do my work. I don't, don't put my real name out there. I can't. You have to protect the family. You've got to do that if you're an activist or whatever. Um, you know, it's just to protect the innocent. Because it's in a sense, and, you know. But just to safe to say, I was raised in an interesting environment, you know. My folks were very Republican, which made no sense to me, knowing that background. How could, you know. But see, I'll be truthful. Back in those days, though, my dad was staunch Republican. That party was not the evilness that it is today. Oh, my God, today it's like looking at, you know, to me, Trump is the emulation of Hitler. He is behaving like him. He likes him, you know, and I really do believe if my father were alive today, he would not be happy about this. My dad's been gone for 15 years. I'm thinking if my dad were alive today, he would not be happy about Donald Trump. And it might bring back some horrible memories of his childhood, you see. Yeah. It just might. Might bring back some horrible memories of it. Well, his young manhood, we'll put it that way. He might he might be upset because of the way this man speaks. What's interesting is Kushner's a Jew. And he's doing this, behaving this way. Behaving in that manner. I would think this very vile way of him behaving would piss a lot of Jewish people off. I do. This is not the behavior of someone with the spirit of the chosen people. You know? It just isn't. I'm sorry he's behaving like... I don't even want to go there. I like hearing, you know, you hear Bette Midler speak and some of these other people speak and they're just appalled at some of the stuff they're seeing in the White House today. So, anyways, enough said about that. And, um, huh. so here we are. Tomorrow's Easter. And my sweet girl is looking forward to an Easter egg hunt and coloring of eggs and all of those lovely things. And, and so am I. We need that. And what's, what is beautiful is that, you know, honestly and truthfully, we can look at this in so many different ways, but my husband is home and safe. He's not out there in that environment, potentially getting slammed by this high spike in the coronavirus. You know, I mean, it's, he's 62. I thank God. You know, I really believe in that cosmic intervention. God is like the, the, bringer of equilibrium in many ways and for all I know he just recognizes he she <laughs> recognizes this need for my husband to be kept safe and so he's here now and it doesn't matter how it happened he's here he's safe he's not being exposed right now and he's getting some much needed rest too he came home kind of angry though and he proceeded to mow our entire acre landscaping and what have you. And he kept my flowers, though. I have this thing. Nature has gone nuts on our property. And it's my idea, okay? 
around certain areas on our property. I let nature just have its way. We don't cut all the grass. Okay. We landscape around it, but we let the trees go. We let the babies, the baby pines just have their way. We let, you know, the rose bushes go mad. We let the flowers, which I call them flowers. My neighbors call them weeds, and I spray them to kill them. You know, all these other people are spraying these beautiful purple natural growing. I guess I call wood sorrel. It's beautiful. You can eat it, too, by the way, just to let you know. There's some edible plants out there that why would you kill them off? Some people think they're weeds, but they're edible. And right now, in the midst of this pandemic, I say we let nature save us. And so I've let many things go wild in, over the years. And one thing I let go wild was these um, are blackberries. And what's interesting about the blackberries here is that blackberries and boysenberries, I think we got two kinds. They're going nuts on our property. We let the birds have them for the past two years. And because I told the seeds, excuse me, my cigar is about to go out. Yes, guys, I smoke cigars. Only when I talk to y'all <laughs> or do them. Do my work on the outside porch. Anyways, back to the boysenberries and blackberries. I told my honey that when I first came here, we were eating them. And they're great and all, but the seeds are ginormous and they kind of hurt my tummy. So we made jellies from them. We'd strain the seeds out and make jellies, and then we'd throw the seeds out there and replant. You can do that. We just let the seeds go out. You just throw them on the ground. Well, anyways, I told us, let's just let the birds do it this year. So for two or three years, we'll let the birds just eat all the berries. Okay, in doing that, they did what is a scientific thing, dispersal. You know, they eat the berries, the, be the seeds fall through their body, and they literally poo the seeds on the ground with their poo. Fertilizer, instant fertilizer. Anyways, what happened was an explosion of berries all over this property to the point that there's going to be a big crop this year bigger than last year, much bigger than last year, and by letting nature have what it needed, I think we're going to have enough for all of us this year, for sure. We have tons of birds on our property. There are just so many different kinds, all different kinds, and they are well cared for. We have lots of seed-bearing plants and things, and the birds just, they take care of themselves. It's beautiful out here. And um, the berries, they love them, you know. And I... I sometimes buy bags of wild bird seed and throw it on the ground for them too. Do that in the winter. It's kind of hard for them to find things. But, um, yeah, in letting nature just have its way and not getting in the middle of it, we've got a humongous crop, if you will, natural crop of wild blueberries and poisonberries. And I am very happy, you know, because right now we need a little cushion potential here. They're talking about some of the grocery stores going to be running low on food and supplies um, as this pandemic ensues. We've been pretty good up here where we are. Toilet paper seems to be a thing. Tons of folks can't get their toilet paper. Now, we were fortunate to get a couple, um, a couple 12 packs that we just, we bought them not at the same time. 
you know, we go in and do grocery shopping and buy a 12-pack of toilet paper and just throw it aside. And so we just have two right now extra. So just we have 24 extra rolls. And now we're, we're realizing there's the slump. So to have it, to buy it right now is going to be kind of hard. So we're lucky that we bought that. And another thing we did too, what I did, before they issued the shelter in place, when I still did go shopping with my child, we'd go down to the Dollar General, which is close to where we live. And they have their canned green beans and corn there, two cans for a dollar. And then they had their macaroni and cheese boxed two boxes for a dollar. Pretty cheap, you know. So what I did is I just, before they ever had this, people were, before anybody was losing their mind buying stuff out, I would buy an extra. I'd set aside $10 for the canned goods and $10 for the mac and cheese. Literally. I'd buy up that much. Nobody seemed to mind. They had lots of it there. Everybody was buying the, the main brand. I was buying the off-brand. Nobody wanted the off-brand. The off-brand tastes just as good as the name brand. If you look at the ingredients, it's exactly the same. And it's like a whole dollar cheaper. So I was like, I, you got to be nuts. <laughs> I'm a frugal person. So we bought, you know, basically $20 worth of canned goods and mac and cheese. And that is stored under our, our bed. We have a, you know, trailer. So we have one of those trailer beds that you lift up. The, it's literally storage underneath. So we've put our stash of food under there. And there's canned goods and soda pops, a couple bottles of, of um, rubbing alcohol and some aloe vera gel to make hand sanitizer should we run out. I mean, we didn't go crazy over the top, but we have enough food right this minute to last us for a couple months. And that's one of the reasons we did that, too, is that we didn't know what the future would hold. Now... When I was studying to become a Mormon back in the day, because I did a long time ago, those people do this on a regular basis. They have a thing called the store. Each family, and I'm sure if there's any Mormon, Mormon listeners out there, you're going to say, oh, yeah. Yes, they have a place in their house. Every single family has one where they keep, it's either a month or two months worth of food. It's what they do. It's smart thinking. They even have a, a, a guide that you can get you can get to look at. I think you can even just look up online now. You can Google it and say the Mormon guide to to pantry storage, and um, it'll it, it, you probably will come up with a lot of choices to choose from to learn what you're going to do. And so that right there was a help in my mind to think about what I needed to save. You know, we got flour, yeast, and um, sugar and salt, and uh, baking soda, baking powder, baking goods. So in case bread was hard to come by, we can make some bread. Sure enough, bread is hard to come by now. We have two loaves, but once those are gone, something tells me I'm going to be baking some bread. I talked about it earlier, and then my husband happened to get a loaf or two of bread. So... One thing we also heard is that eggs will be hard to come by. Um, and cheese, believe it or not, and milk. Now, I, interestingly enough, yesterday, I think I told you all I had a strange protein sugar allergy that I can't eat meat. Okay. Um, 
and I was warned by my physician that it could end up being so bad that I will end up completely vegan. Right now I'm vegetarian. They call it lacto-ovo-vegetarian. Well, I had a reaction to cheese yesterday that was over the top. It was so bad. I was hurting and itching and all of that. I think that my husband thinks it might have been because there's animal rennet in that cheese. We didn't realize it. Animal rennet, I don't know if you know what that is. It's where they get the enzymes. They actually take a part of a calf's stomach ugh, or something like that to make this cheese. And so that could be what got me because I can't handle anything. I can't eat any dead animal products. That sounds really weird, but it's true. I can't eat meat of any kind. Fish, chicken, beef, pork, doesn't matter. Can't touch the stuff. It makes me break out in hives. My throat swells up. I hurt all over. I violent. It starts off with violent vomiting, and then I start to itch, and then my skin, you know, I look like I've got the freaking measles or something, or chicken pox by the time it's all over, and I can't breathe. I mean, I have to have um, loads of Benadryl on hand. Can't afford the EpiPen, folks. That EpiPen's an expensive bugger. So what I do is I just watch the labels, and I'm careful, but, you know, yesterday... It just said enzymes on the package, and I put some cheese on food, and I was doubled over, and then I couldn't breathe hardly. I was swigging the Benadryl, folks. It ruined my entire day. So I guess that's starting now, the cheese, and and it could be either because there's animal rennet in it, or it could be because it's related to the cows. So I'm probably going to wind up having to go 100% vegan, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I've done it before in the past, and um, I ended up losing a 100 and some pounds doing it. You just have to watch what you eat, you know. It seemed like, like the boxed mac and cheese never bothers me, but this was fresh cheese, so maybe I'll be okay with the boxed stuff, you know. Because supplies are hard to come by. Fresh vegetables are going to be hard to come by because the farmers, you know, our illustrious president thinks it's great to deport everyone under the sun. Does he not realize that a lot of our, a lot of our workforce in the fields are these people he wants to get rid of? And, you know, he's so fat. He likes to eat, right? We all know he likes to eat because he's a chubby, chubby man. But he's also rich, so he gets whatever he wants, and he tends to eat nothing but fast food, they say. He's just burgers and fries, and I don't think a vegetable's ever gone into his mouth. I don't know if it has. He probably doesn't care about that, which he better start caring about that. <laughs> he's going to have a revolt on his hands over food, you know, veggies and stuff. Because, But, yeah, there's whole fields of just... I guess they're saying in California just going bad of vegetables because they can't, you know, he's fired so many, fired. He has deported so many of those people. Plus there's workers getting sick in the meat packing plants now. They're coming down with coronavirus. They're having to shut up, shut down the entire plants all over the country. And um, I think there was one in Colorado that definitely shut down to sanitize the plant. They have to test everybody for coronavirus. I mean, so that takes care of that too. You know. Hmm. Speaking of meat, I read the news yesterday that China has finally passed a law, and this is what it said it what it happened that they that no longer are cats and dogs allowed on the menu for food anymore. The dog meat trade and the cat meat trade is over, and if it happens, 
it's illegal. It's a black market thing, and there's punishments to be dealt, be handed out if they do eat cats and dogs. So Andy Fauci had come forward and said that a lot of this odd trade that people do over there in China with domestic, you know, cats and dogs, and then, of course, um, bats and just strange foods that they eat, that they have linked a lot of that strange food patterns to virus spread. Because some of these animals have viruses and weird bacteria that have let, that have spread to humans from their consumption. And he says, we need to stop all this. This is the tw 21st century. We, we need to quit eating these things. <laughs> Dogs and cats are not meant to be eaten anyways. And, of course, I believe, since I've become a vegetarian, because I had to, okay, but because, since I have, I realize that you don't need to eat any of it. And I also realize that the majority of our carbon footprint comes from factory farming. And that nonsense needs to stop yesterday. And I'm hoping that that's the next thing they address in this whole business, that the, that, that is bad for the environment. It's also bad for people, you know, this mass producing of animals. Now, I know that Trump had pulled back the humane act like abolished it or whatever made it to where that the the farmers can just willy-nilly slaughter their animals at a rapid rate to make more money of course and in doing that you harm creatures you know the terror i can't even imagine i'm hoping that all of this nonsense comes to a screeching halt the only animals if you will that require meat are your predatory animals and, and humans um, even though their behavior seems predatory at times socially I would not say that we are predators in the food food way I, I think that the only predators out there are your cats and dogs and wolves and you know the ones that you recognize they're those animals that can kill their own prey that's what they do in the wild and and um Unfortunately, now, you know, our cats and dogs have become complacent to eating the food that we have to buy them. And those animals are farmed for cats and dog food. It's kind of sad. But honestly, to reduce the footprint on this beautiful orb floating in the cosmos, to reduce that carbon footprint, I think if we were to stop as humans consuming animal flesh and reserve it only for the domestic, you know, our kid cats and doggies, those that are supposed to have it should be the ones getting it. Now, if you did that and they stop the puppy mills, which they're working on that, and we stop, I'm not saying that, you know, you should not have a dog or a cat, but I think going to a, a pet store or breeding them even, it's just ridiculous. I think there's enough homeless animals out there that could use homes, that would love to have homes. I'm surrounded by them here, you know. Uh, that that right there would pick up the slack of all that and, and no more no more puppy mills, no more of that nonsense. And we slowly shift this dog and cat population down and their food, you know, we don't mass produce factory farm terrible, you know, mass quantities of... Our poor cow friends and chicken friends, you know. I mean, I've realized when, since I've become a vegetarian that 
there is no need for eating meat. And, and my heart breaks every time I think about it. It does. I, I didn't used to feel that way before this allergy hit me because I wasn't forced to think about it, see? But I'm forced to think about it now because I can't eat meat. It will literally kill me if I go and treat it, like, you know, if I don't get an EpiPen or something, or I will become in dire straits. So see, because of that, it's forced me to look at how do I cook, get my proteins and whatnot. Well, guess what? You know, you can't really peruse any of those plant-based sites, the vegan websites to learn how to cook some of these foods without having something pop up for an animal rights type thing. And and I'm seeing the plight of how our creatures are being treated. And, you know, I applaud those individuals in the world that have changed their life accordingly. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I understand, has become a vegan because he realizes it's bad for the environment and it's also just cruel. And um, John Stewart, you know, the commentator, I think Stephen Colbert took over for him. Uh, he and his wife have an animal sanctuary now, and they're vegans. And it's just... And another person who's become vegan blew me away was Simon Cowell. These are all prominent people in the public eye. Simon Cowell finally looks healthy. I thought Simon Cowell looked sick as a dog most of his life. He just looked like he was an accident waiting to happen. And now he actually looks healthy for the first time in his life. Well, he switched his diet. He's a vegan now. What does that tell you about giving up eating animal products that we shouldn't be having in the first place? Like meat beef, cows, chicken. It's not good for you. It doesn't matter what anyone says, you know. There are consequences to our actions. And in my world, you know, I suffer. I, I guess the universe kind of knew that I wasn't going to be able to go willingly into that vegetarian, vegan lifestyle. So they, they, you know, here I am allergic to it. Can't, can't not be a vegetarian. I must be one. So, and it looks to me like it's going to go all the way now. I mean, I'm scared of eggs, even. I may try those, I don't know, but I need to be careful because it's the protein and sugar chains, they're related to the animal, obviously, right? Milk and beef. Milk and milk, I'm sure there's a, a sugar chain, protein chain. I have to look and see why, but I'm having reactions to that. And I'm also, um, I haven't had reactions to the, to the eggs, but that's common. If there's a blood spot in there, though, I ignored one one time, and I just made it anyways, and I had pain. Now, whether it was psychological, I don't know. But you can give me, like, food that has laced with chicken broth, let's say, um, and tell me, it's oh, it's vegetarian, this is vegetarian rice, enjoy. And if I eat it, and it truly has animal stuff in there, I will be doubled over in pain within 15 minutes. It's happened to me more times than I can say. Go out to a restaurant. They don't tell you the truth. You know, is this vegetarian rice? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No animal product in there. I'll eat it. And before you know it, I'm covered in hives. And I'm hurting. And I'm doubled over in pain in the bathroom, throwing up on my husband, sitting there going, I thought you said. Oh, we just thought she was just being one of those militant vegans, you know. One of those militant vegetarians. Tree hugger. We didn't think she was really seriously allergic. Can you really be allergic to animal stuff? Yeah, you really can. If you got bit by a tick, wood tick, um, there's a disease called alpha-gal. I can't pronounce the whole thing because I'm just kind of stupid today, but alpha-gal, look it up. It's a heinous allergy against animal products. Not all of them, but it starts out that way. I met a man who had it 
back in the day. And he was a barbecue dude, let me tell you. And he became a vegan because he had to be. It started out with pork. Then it went to, it just went to one thing after another. And before you knew it, he couldn't eat anything at all. He was a vegan. And he said, I'm healthier for it. He said, it's the craziest thing ever. He said, I used to eat barbecue everything. I had this big barbecue pit. He said, and now because I this happened to me, my whole family is vegan. And look at me. And he, he showed me photographs of himself before and after. And I was like, wow. He said, yeah. Yep, he said, I really believe this is, he, he this was in Oklahoma, and he said, uh, um, this is, uh, he said, I believe that um, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. He knew what I liked my barbecue. I was like, wow, interesting. Yeah. So anyway, um, I got to come to the end of this. It's coming up on the hour, and I've got things to do. I got to cook. Some food. I think I'm going to start off my day with some fruit to be safe. And then I have animals to feed. So um, this is that. And uh, this is the northerner in the south. And this is Ruth Wittstein. We were in the midst of Corona Ramblings, Season 1, Episode 7. And I will talk at you all later. Have a happy Easter, everyone. Thank you. Bye.